This morning from the prophet Micah, chapter 6. Hear what the Lord says. Rise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear, you mountains, the controversy of the Lord, and you enduring foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a controversy with his people, and he will contend with Israel. O my people, what have I done to you? And what have I wearied you? Answer me. For I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery. And I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. O my people, remember now what King Balak of Moab devised and what Balaam, son of Beor, answered him and what happened from Shinnom to Gilgal that you may know the saving acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? This is the word of God for the people of God. Dr. Brett Younger is now a seminary professor of preaching here in the United States. But he writes about one day in his eighth grade year, he and his friends went into social studies class and their teacher began to talk about world religions. He says, I remember it so vividly. She told us that about one third of the world's population were Christian. She said about 20% of the world's population are Muslims. About 13% of the world's Populations are Hindu and so on. He said they sat there and listened for a while. But he said we thought that was about the goofiest thing we had ever heard. He said we knew about the three world religions. They were Baptist, Methodist, and Presbyterian. (laughs) He said everybody in our town went to one of those three churches. And if they didn't go, they just kept quiet about it. He said, we we really struggled trying to understand how two-thirds of the world's population were not Christian. It did not match up with any reality that we had ever experienced. Then Dr. Younger goes on to write, the statistics are not as hard to imagine as they once were, The United States is increasingly home to Muslim mosques, Hindu temples, Sikh communities, and Buddhist retreat centers. Protestant Christians are a minority in the United States. Believing that Christians are in and everyone else is out may be comforting to some, but it does not make sense. The idea that God's grace 
is only for a relatively few insults God. Most American Christians recognize that if we had been born in Indonesia, we would probably be Muslims. Micah proclaims that the Lord has made it clear that people of faith are to walk humbly with your God. It's interesting to think about what Dr. Younger says in terms of our own community right here in Tulsa. From time to time, we hear about acts of religious hatred or violence against a religious minority. The first thing I think is we are more diverse than we sometimes think. The next thing I think about is if in fact I'm part of the minority I probably care a whole lot more about how the minority will be treated and I would want to ensure that any minority would be treated with care and kindness and respect and yet so often we don't do so well in this arena too often the way minorities are treated even in America is not something for us to be proud of. Last week I invited all the people who had been nominated and elected as chair people or vice chair people of our different committees and task force to meet with me for about 90 minutes. I wanted to talk about who we are and who we need to be as leaders at Boston Avenue and in the spirit and the tradition of United Methodism. I want us to think about what does it mean to be a spiritual leader what does it mean to be a servant leader? And to that end, I read for them and shared with them some of what our book of discipline, the United Methodist Book of Discipline, is our guidebook or rule book for how we function as a people called United Methodist. I shared with them some of the statements out of that book that guide and direct us. One of them talks about our mission. I want to read it to you. It says the mission of the church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. By proclaiming the good news of God's grace and by exemplifying Jesus' command to love God and neighbor. Thus seeking the fulfillment of God's reign and realm in the world. The fulfillment of God's reign and realm in the world is the vision Scripture holds before us. The United Methodist Church affirms that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Savior of the world, and the Lord of all. But then listen to what the next sentence says. As we make disciples, we respect persons of all religious faith and we defend religious freedom for all persons that doesn't seem to be the most popular view of so many christians who are doing evangelism so often our brothers and sisters in christ in an attempt to witness to their faith disrespect and harm others but not only that i think they limit god when they begin to say that god can only work in certain ways and surely has only worked with 
certain people. They rush to judgment. And it's so easy once we get to that point to declare that someone who is different is not as worthy, as lesser, is somehow below ourselves. And the problem with that is what so often happens then is that leads to condemnation and hatred and sometimes to violence, which of course is contrary to the core of what they began to witness to, which was the love of God come to us in Jesus Christ. And it's contrary to what Jesus taught us to believe and how he taught us to act in terms of loving God and loving our neighbor. Our United Methodist tradition does a great job of reminding us the importance of holding these two things in tension, that we hold a deep and abiding Christian faith while at the same time respecting the religious faith and freedom of others. Micah challenges us to be more thoughtful and more careful in terms of our own life and witness as people of faith. Micah challenges us to be kinder and more loving witnesses to our faith. Micah suggests in our passage today that we try to take God's point of view as creator of all and then move from there. And Micah says where that will lead us Of course, he concludes it and makes it very clear in verse 8 that it would lead us to be a people who do justice and love kindness and walk humbly with our God. There's an ancient story told about a man who had a magic ring, a magic ring that would make the one who wore it always gracious, kind, and generous. He became well known for being such a man. But as he aged, he had three sons. And as he was growing closer to death, separately, each one of them came and asked him upon his death, could they have the ring? He said yes to all three of them. And then he called the finest jeweler he knew and said, I need you to take this ring and make two more just like it. The jeweler went away and did a marvelous job and brought back three rings and they were just beautiful and the man could not tell them apart. And then before his death, as his three sons came by separately, he gave each one of them a ring. Of course, upon his death, time went by and they all realized, wait a minute, you have a ring, you have a ring. We all ended up with a ring and they want to know Who has the original? Who has the real magic ring? They look at them. They cannot tell them apart. Finally, they go to the local judge to see if he can determine who has the real ring. They each offer their rings. He takes them, goes back to his chambers, is gone for a while, and then returns and says, I cannot tell them apart. But why do we have to decide right now? Why don't we wait and we'll be able to tell who has the real ring by the direction your lives take. 
then the ancient story concludes and says religions are like the three brothers and any time that they do not embody love and kindness and justice we will know that they are not the religion that God gave to the world we shall know which one lives the truth when we observe the direction your life takes in Micah's day the direction of the leaders of his day had taken he thought was the wrong one he says the leaders have gone astray oh they've become wealthy and prosperous but in their wealth they've also become greedy and in their greed they've begun to treat people terribly and unjustly he points out particularly that they're treating women and widows and children and orphans terribly if you read the first five chapters of micah you will see that he has some very harsh words for the leaders of his day and the time we get to chapter six he moves into this chapter image a courtroom if you will because that's the setting where god is contending with his people israel and he says hear what the lord says in verse 1 and 2, rise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear, you mountains, the controversy of the Lord, and you enduring foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a controversy with his people, and he will contend with Israel. It is clear that God is disappointed. And he wants the whole creation, the whole earth to listen to this court case. He wants to see what his people, what his leaders have to say because he does not like what he sees in terms of their behavior. So it is clear that he is disappointed with what they are doing, yet God stays in covenant with his people. With this people that he wanted to be a light to the nations of people who would be a blessing to all peoples of the earth, the people who would live in such a covenant with him that all their relationships would be marked by goodness and love and kindness and justice. And that is not happening. But he does not throw them out. You can hear it as you read through this text from Micah, how he still has affection for his people and still thinks of these who have gone astray as his own in verse 2 it says for the lord has a controversy with his people or the beginning of verse 3 oh my people what have i done to you or in verse 5 oh my people remember and then he begins to remind them of what he has done for them and what good things have happened when they have lived within covenant with him he expects these people to continue in a relationship with him but a relationship a covenant if you will that is marked by love and goodness and kindness and justice but the people he's contending with seem to misunderstand out of their greed they seem to project that greed upon god 
And isn't that how often it happens that the things we like, we begin to think that's what God likes. And the things we want, that must be what God wants. And the way we treat others, that must be the way God wants us to do it. And we project our own issues on God and make that the image of our God. That seems to be what is happening with these Israelite leaders. That as they have become more and more wealthy and prosperous, that they have become ever more greedy and unjust. And it seems like if you listen to what they say in response to God, that they think God has become greedy also. Listen to verse 6. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? It seems like they think because they want more and more material goods that that's what God wants. That They need to bring more and more sacrifices and that's how they will have this relationship with God. But Micah says, no, 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 that's not what God is asking of you. And then Micah gives his answer in verse 8. God has told you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Micah says we cannot ignore justice and kindness in our dealings with others. That if we're going to be the people of God and we're going to live in a relationship with God, that that extends the way we relate to one another. And by extension, those must be relationships of love and kindness and goodness and justice. But Micah also points out that the foundation of all of that is humility walking humbly with our God. The way Micah sees it is that the leaders of his day can no longer hear God because they've become so wealthy and greedy and prideful that they can no longer walk humbly with God. And when they stop being humble, they're unable to hear what God is saying to them and therefore they're unable to lead in the way that God would want them to lead. Walking humbly with God is listening for God. Walking humbly with God is obeying what we hear in God's word and the way God would lead us to walk in the way of love and justice and kindness. This whole sermon series this month, we've been reading these prophets from the Hebrew scriptures and time after time after time, they implore their people Listen, learn to listen to what God is saying. God will lead us in the way of righteousness if you will learn to listen. If you'll walk humbly with your God, you will see and hear where God wants you to go, where God wants us to go as a people. 
Micah gives his people a chance to reflect on all this as he writes his letter to them. Micah gives us a chance to have a spiritual checkup with God. As I was reading through this, it, the image that came to me is going to your doctor for an annual physical. It's wonderful. We're all supposed to do it. It's good because the doctor helps us think about certain things that are vital to our health and well-being. And it's wonderful that we have people that know about rest and exercise and good nutrition and right medications and all of those things. But if all we do is go to the doctor and listen to him or her tell us about it, and then we leave the office and we never act on it, what good has it done us? What difference does it make if the doctor says we need to begin to exercise and we shake our heads yes, and then we never exercise? Or they give us a diet that will help us be healthier, and we say, oh yes, but then in a few days or a few weeks, we've totally forgotten about it. Micah says, in terms of our relationship with God, it's the same thing. God has given us a prescription for spiritual well-being, and it's important to have faith and believe it. But it really makes a difference whether or not we live it. Whether or not we go out from this place and enact behaviors which embody the things that the Word of God directs us to do for our spiritual health. As the ancient story said, we'll know the answer by the direction our lives take. Or as Jesus said, they shall know we are Christians by our love. By our love. Amen. And thanks be to God.